Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1999, the walls of hell cracked, and fallen angels condemned to an eternity in the abyss were suddenly able to flee. With no choice but to come to terms with the decaying remnants of the paradise they helped create, these escaped fallen must now decide whether they will rebuild their masterpiece or burn it to a cinder. Hello and welcome to Demon the Fallen Fragments a Demon the Fallen game set in Rochester, New York, in the year 2001. This story features the character of Azoth, played by Tillman, Erichel, played by Rebecca, Brawlman, played by Adam, and Abathar, played by Slavic. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night, and on Discord at Twin Cities by Night. So you guys get to the parking lot, and Esme is pretty sure you want to go that way. How do you decide to go that way? Same way we've been doing it all all day, getting in her car and waiting for everybody to load up. All right. Everybody piles into the car. It's a little cramped in the back seat. Who's sitting shotgun? Lily. I'm in the back somewhere. Oh, so it's not going to be too cramped, right? Because one person in the front, one person driving. I recall she has a smaller car. Oh, okay. Side. We're all in a Volkswagen Beetle or something. <laughs> did we just have one car here, or did Oliver bring his, or Ace of bring Oliver's? Because I'm very sure that we established that Oliver has a car. Yes, Oliver does have a car. He's got a nice high-end model. Can't remember if we decided on oh, Audi BMW something. Or, yeah, Audi or Beamer or Mercedes, one of those. Yeah, whatever, but... I'm not sure why. We're just taking one car? We can take two cars. I mean, it makes sense that Oliver would be making sure his car is with us as we're moving along. All right, you start driving, and you're pretty sure you've got the trail. You know, you make your left turns and your right turns. You make some more left turns and some more right turns. And after about 40, 45 minutes of driving, you're feeling a little confused. You're, You're really sure you had the path really sure. But when you started going down the path, that confidence waned. And for those who are in the car with Esme, you can just see almost this instant shift of she had confidence, she had focus, to all of a sudden she's really looking around, starting to slow down the car, taking turns really slowly, trying to figure out what's going on, but she's not communicating any of that. What's wrong? I don't know. Lauren is kind of sitting in the back seat of the car, but in the middle, just kind of like peering up in between the driver's seat and the passenger seat, leaning in a little bit too close in the in the personal space a little bit. Feeling somebody kind of enter her space, she shrinks to the side a little bit more to look over as she slowly stops the car, pulls it off to the side. I can't find the path. It's erratic. I don't I don't know what happened. Lauren will kind of just look out the window and just kind of like take in the surroundings of where they've wound up and just say, it's okay. We'll get it next time. You're at a gas station, not too far outside the city proper, along a very major thoroughfare. Nearby street sign says that you're along Monroe Avenue. I, I'm assuming uh, Oliver is probably right behind or 
close behind at least if he's following with us in his car. So if we're pulled over, I'll probably be looking outside, looking, um, poking my head out the window to see if, if I can see Oliver coming up. Oh yeah, he's following, so he's definitely coming up. So you'll see Lauren's head kind of sticking out of a car, the arm sticking out as well, just sort of waving Oliver to, to pull in or to like to park near them or something. Yeah, and he would and get out of his car and walk over to the other three. And I don't know, do you get out or does he? I'm still the in the back seat with okay. the window down, just kind of leaning out. Yeah, and I'm so, kind of just staying close to Oliver to not not trying to make Esme feel bad about about losing the signal. He's just going to be like, "We lost it." What now? Can we try again? Gas station attendant steps outside. Looks at you guys, looks at the pumps, pulls out a cigarette, lights it, and then sits on top of the uh, newspaper box. Lauren will glance over to him through the car, but then just kind of look back at Oliver, paying him no mind. If we're going to try to follow that feeling, we have to do it another way. Do the pendant people maybe know where it came from? Can we contact them? I'm not sure if this works two ways but let me try off in the distance you hear some gunshots Oliver definitely flinches especially like with it is actually probably Oliver who's flinching with his memory of being um, assaulted in the streets they're fairly far off doesn't sound like you guys are in any danger Esme's just sitting in the front seat looking down at her lap and basically shutting everybody else out at the moment Oliver turns and looks at this gas station attendant. Does he look faced by the gunshots at all? Not at all. Oh, so you get that a lot here, right? And he like chuckles nervously. The attendant is this leathery, withered guy, maybe somewhere between his 50s and 60s. It's really hard to tell. His hands are obviously covered in all sorts of grime and grit. Like He's been working on cars all day. He's got the coveralls on. He just kind of looks at you scratches his stringy pale brown slash gray hair and chuckles a little shaking his head he finishes his cigarette and goes back inside not a talkative fella okay so lily did you get anywhere yeah lily tries to put the pendant thingy like next to her chest it's cold doesn't seem like it works two ways honestly could lily maybe try to pour some faith into it see if that would activate it somehow as Lily focuses her faith into it, uh, A, spend a point of faith. Does anything happen? Yes, it immediately gets warm to the touch. Oof, there we go. After about a minute, you hear the voice inside your head. Yes, what can I help you with? We have a bit of a trouble getting to the place that exuded a large amount of faith. You know, the one you told me about? Do you perhaps have... Are you speaking of the energy burst that occurred earlier? Right, right. Faith, have you pinpointed the spot of where it is? We've not been able to track it properly. It was too brief, even though it was quite potent. We're not entirely certain. The previous one that caught our attention seemed to be more focused as if it were controlled in some fashion. This seems to be uncontrolled and possibly accidental. Possibly accident. How do you know? Ah, well, I hope that if it was deliberate, it would have been a little more focused. This seems to 
have just been like a lightning strike or a short circuit. I have no idea what the second thing is, but lightning strikes seem pretty focused to me. And uh, Lily just starts explaining how lightning strikes happen, like to the absolute details. Like uh, this is her area of expertise, you know, lore of storms and everything and how difficult it is and what conditions must be met. Uh, So first you have the condensation and the air. And then she starts talking about pressure and everything. Well, okay, not perhaps I was a little too glib. A short circuit would be more appropriate. There was some issue and the energy was either released or misdirected. Okay. And she sort of puts the stone back in her pocket. So apparently this was a bit different from the energy that we felt last time was more unfocused so maybe it was an accident or maybe a fight no idea where it is apparently they didn't pinpoint it either lauren is kind of just watching lily in amazement um so is like the conversation happening out loud no the conversation is occurring entirely in lily's head oh okay so i'm just kind of like watching lily stare off or something then and like i'm not really Looks like they can't really help us all that much. We could go after Ruth, because I'm not sure if we can find the source of the burst after this detour. Let's go get Ruth. She'll be a lot easier to track down than the source of this or to Zaniel. Let's just go with what we know for right now and probably get to Ruth. Actually having something that she could feel a little bit confident in, like she actually knows where the Sojourn's house is. Esme perks up a little bit and nods her head and turns the car back on. It is pretty late in the day when you guys get to Sojourner House. Um, You're not surprised at all to find the lights still on and people still there. You let yourself in and it looks like a few folks are getting ready to be taken in for the evening. And Ruth is there talking to one of the temporary residents. And as she sees you guys walk in, she's wraps up that conversation and with a glowing smile comes over Esme, Lauren, Lily. Great to see you guys. Oliver. Uh, Hello, Ruth. What brings you here? We have some news. Perhaps we should go to back to your office. Of course. Of course. Come. And she turns to a young woman in the hallway. Uh, Jessica, would you mind grabbing some coffee for everyone? Thanks. How drunk does she appear to be in this very moment? She seems to be happily buzzed is where you would gauge it. Not drunk per se, but definitely not entirely sober. And she leads you guys through the hallways back to her office. The secretary's gone. It's just you guys and her. She sits down at her desk. Please take a seat. Make yourselves comfortable. Jess will be back with some coffee for everybody. I'm pretty sure she'll bring some creamer and some sugars. What can I do for you guys? We found Claire. Oh, Claire, how is she? Is I'm she... hoping to see her today. She's I'm not... afraid you won't be seeing her. Lauren will say kind of brashly, just like... Lauren, please. Oh, did, did something happen? Is she okay? Did she get arrested again? No, unfortunately, she's no longer with us. Well, where'd you leave her? That's not what I mean, Ruth. She's dead. <gasps> yeah. And Ruth sort of stops cold. And you, you immediately see tears just start welling up in her eyes and streaming down her cheeks. 
Oh my god! When? How? Lily will try to calm her and say, Ruth, okay, it's it's okay. It's, it, was, it was an accident. What happened? We're, we're still trying to figure it all out, but yeah, that's what happened. She just sort of sinks back into her chair, tears just continuing to stream. Yeah, Lily will try to console her, say, say it's okay, you know, not her fault. And the usual <sighs> platitudes. That poor woman. You know, I really thought things were about to turn around for her. She said that she had a job interview. You know, it seemed like she was really, really finally getting back, getting it back together. I just, I just I can't believe this. And she opens up her desk drawer and pulls out a little bottle of Jack Daniels and a glass. And without really paying attention to anyone else in the room, she just starts pouring herself a drink. I'd snatch it away from her. <laughs> How dare you? Give that back! Ruth, please. This is hard for all of us. She grabs the glass and drinks what she had gotten into it. I mean, I let her. I don't want to fight her, but... How dare you? This is my office! And she's got a very weird fire in her eyes. Okay, can I use lore of longing on her? To maybe get a a better read on her emotions? And maybe calm her down after? Absolutely. Okay, two successes. Okay. She is obviously devastated. This is hitting her very, very hard. It's almost as if she thought or had some sort of particularly close relationship with Claire. Look, I I know that you were probably very close to Claire and you just, and this is a very hard time for you. So if you need to talk or anything and I give her my number. Do you tell it to her? I probably have a thingy. What's it called? A card. Uh, card yeah she takes it and puts it on her desk and just sort of sinks back into her chair a little bit further she's like i worked with her for years trying to help her get everything together she between the drugs and she, her boy was so sweet and now with oh my god what what happened what happened to her i don't know how to say this honestly I'm not not really completely sure either I sort of look at the others. It looks as if she had found a homeless camp to stay in for some time. And when we found her, she was dead in her tent, possibly due to some drugs. We found an empty, almostly empty package of sleeping pills next to her. Oh, that's terrible. Poor woman. Also, we found this diary of hers. A, a diary? Yes, and I mean, you will understand, we read the last couple of pages, and I think maybe you should too. She takes it and she starts leafing through it. As she starts reading it, she, her mouth starts moving and she's quietly sort of talking to herself as she reads it. She lets out a few deep sighs, <sighs> sniffles a little, puts it down on her desk. You know, there's this... There's this one place that she used to work at on and off. You know, it was really hard for her to keep keep a job down with with the drugs and that horrid, horrid boyfriend she kept. But she every now and then she picked back up at this one architecture firm. They'd have her there as a uh, a receptionist. They should probably know. I guess she was friends with one of the one of the bigwigs or something over there. I don't know if anyone else might know how to do anything or know where to go to do anything for her. Of course, we'll, I guess, we'll have 
maybe a service here. You get the, the one priest to do it. What was done with her? We called the police, but I'm unsure if anybody was actually able to make it to her. Oh, they'd get to her eventually, probably. Sometime, maybe. All right. And at this point, the door opens and Jess walks in. Hey, Ruth, I got the coffee. Um, I'm not sure if I brought enough sugar for everyone, so I can go back and get more. But there's creamer. I got the, the French vanilla, and I got uh, the creme brulee flavor creamer. And so uh, is there anything I can get anyone else? And then Jess sort of stops and is looking at everyone, and she just sort of puts the tray down on a table and slowly backs out of the room. Just just yell if you need anything, and she closes the door. Look, if you need any help with the arrangements or anything like that, um, whatever we can do. No, no, thank you. I'll just I'll take care of it myself. We don't really have a funeral fund here, but I can I can pay out of pocket. We'll just have to go downtown and collect her. Lauren is kind of just like staring on somberly. Um, she did. She knew that this wouldn't be pleasant, but she didn't really anticipate how unpleasant this whole ordeal would actually be. And it's just very uncomfortable, just sort of like sitting in this room and just like watching this woman experience this type of sorrow and not being able to do anything at all. And like it's kind of the part of Brahman that worships humanity and just wants to see them raised up to the highest of their potential is like saddened by it. So it's just like an uncomfortable moment. Ruth is just sort of sitting there, her mind, obviously very far away from the room that you're all in her eyes sort of glazed over a little bit. You can see the tears starting to dry on her cheeks. Would you like us to go? Huh? What? Oh, um, yeah, I guess I just, I need some time. Would you do me a favor though? Of course, anything. That architecture firm, would would one of you run over there and let them know the news? Absolutely, Ruth. Consider it done. And I kind of like hold her hand like tightly. Thank you. I, I think she said it was Howell and Phelps was the name of the firm. We can certainly do that. Thank you. I, I'd appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. You as well, Ruth. And Esme will stand up and hurriedly leave the office. She's very uncomfortable with the situation. As you guys leave, you hear her pouring herself another drink. That poor woman, Lauren will say under her breath. Let's just go. So at what point in the day is it now? At this point, we'll say it's probably around 7 o'clock in the evening or so. I believe you guys hit up the uh, homeless camp sort of late afternoon-ish after gorging on barbecue. So we'll say between the homeless camp and running to the hospital and all the driving around and the time lost cleaning, plus your conversations with the rabbi, plus all this. It's around 7 o'clock, give or take. So at this point in the year, 7 p.m. means it is pitch black out. I'll just be standing outside, like with my hands in the pocket of my jacket. Uh, Lauren is wearing this, like, really puffy quilted jacket, really worn jeans, just, like, these, like, old boots, like, work clothes, basically. Really beat up, worn clothing that has like paint marks and burn marks and stuff like that. And she's kind of just like standing there with like her hands in her pockets somberly. Now, as Lily steps out into the cold night air, she starts to remember 
a feeling that she once had. And she closes her eyes, trying to pinpoint where it came from. And when she opens her eyes back up, she's in a fortress made of obsidian, lit by glowing sapphire crystals. She's walking the hallways looking for someone. She can't quite remember who, but she turns a corner and there, there he is, sitting on a bench in the hallway, a clay bottle next to him on the floor, another clay bottle in his hands, and he's leaning awkwardly against the wall, just watching Abathar approach. What do you want? What do you have there? Nothing you can enjoy. Why not? You're an angel. Maybe. And he takes another swig from the clay bottle. Abathar turns it into water. Bits it on the floor. Why'd you do that? Because you're poisoning yourself. Let me. Yeah, still have other ways to poison yourself. Abathar gestures to the other clay. That one's empty. Well, then maybe I just saved your life. Saved my life. What about the lives of my friends? Everybody. Just dying for this war. Being maimed. My brother has no arm. My sister was shot through the heart with an arrow. Who's left? Left and right, my friends, die for this. Why? And he throws the clay bottle against the wall and it splashes water everywhere as it shatters. You have to understand, we're doing this. We're doing the right thing. We're fighting for our freedom. Is that what you call it? Yes. Is freedom death? I do not know, because I cannot die. We can. Lots of us are. You don't seem to care. I do care. I remember every single one of you, you know, from a time before when I couldn't even talk to you because of some stupid rules. I couldn't save you when you were drowning in the sea. I could only watch you from afar. And as Lily says this, the sapphires in the hallway slowly dim, and the streetlights outside the Sojourner house slowly grow brighter and brighter. And all the rest of you heard what she just said through Lily's voice. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could give the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.